What about third person events? Is that something you'd like to see? Absolutely. Uh, that's something I've been trying to, you know, talk about. I think the or third person could end up overtaking first person eventually. Somebody clipped that, by the way. We're throwing that on the timeline. Doug thinks uh, third no, person. No, that's a hot take. First. It's good. It's a good take. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into the Bot Lobby podcast. We're back with another episode. Our, our last episode, Katie, was a bit different. We were live on stage at Comic-Con, which was so so sick uh, excited to be back at our own setups in the comfort of our homes with an amazing guest today yeah uh I, look comic-con was a blast the fact that we were able to execute on the first ever warzone 2 land was incredible hopefully more to come but we've got a lot to talk about today and one of the uh most knowledgeable folks in the game right now joining us yeah exactly you and i we cast a ton of tournaments and we're really plugged into the competitive space but we've got a, a guy here that not only is going to be joining uh one of the analyst booths for an upcoming tournament i think either even later today but also like you said one of the most knowledgeable people because he runs a highly successful news account we've actually had him on the podcast before before it was a little bit uh, i guess as structured as it is now and now over i think like uh, nearing up on a million followers over three quarters of a million followers and uh, just recently hit twitch partner as well uh, a good good friend of mine without further ado would love to bring in the man himself modern war zone doug dagnabbit Doug, my friend, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing, man? Seems like I haven't been on here in forever. I know. It, it, we're doing well. Uh, like we were saying kind of in the intro, we just did that land tournament, but um, it would just been grinding through kind of like the back end stuff. And I know you've been doing a lot of the same, but you've been grinding on game. I mean, we were talking right before mm -hmm. the broadcast gets started and before we do our like our official start to this thing. I mean, tell me how many nukes have you had at this point? And you've got to share the fun fact with the stream about how much you've you've played this game, Doug. Um, at this point in time, I have seven nukes total on Warzone 2. I have three in a row the first time I got one and then we did four in my last stream I uh, went for world's first third person nuke last night and failed miserably that was rough <laughs> but um yeah I've got seven total nukes I didn't even think I'd be able to get one because my first 10 attempts at it were so difficult but managed to do it now we've got a patented strat down for it figured it out it's not that bad um and yeah I'm pretty sure I've already played more I have more playtime on Warzone 2 and Almazra than I did on the entirety of Caldera, which <laughs> I was one of the people saying that Caldera wasn't that bad. I was just kind of bored of Warzone at that point, though. Yeah. I mean, that that makes sense. We had had essentially two years of that life cycle. I think people were itching for what was going to be new. We were getting more and more information about Warzone 2, which I think could compound Caldera as well as saying we're just ready for the next step. But seven nukes, that is incredibly impressive. Uh, I'm sure the, the vast minority of people um, who've even been able to get a, a nuke in the first place. But, Goach, something that um, we never were able to do with Doug the first time around when we had him on the podcast and something we now do with every guest is our rapid fire opening questions yep. um and i'm really excited to do them uh with doug we've uh, changed them up a little bit because he's not a competitor but do we want to start working could our be. way through those yeah could be a competitor though i saw doug's comment on that caster tournament he goes <laughs> i'm trying to grab some free cash <laughs> oh no you guys couldn't hang the only one i'd be worried about is merc sure sure def definitely definitely can hang uh but uh yeah let's let's quickly go through these rapid fire this will take about 30 seconds and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this so just give me the first answer that pops into your mind when we ask this question who's your favorite person to stream with doug my favorite person to stream with um a hundred percent art is war love that answer who was the first creator to give you an opportunity 
Uh, probably my first and biggest opportunity came from Nick Merck's team hitting me up to help them uh, figure out the stadium nuke so you could get a YouTube video for it and helping them run through that. Great answer. I remember that so vividly. Uh, I think you and I had a, a long conversation about that uh, at the time. But favorite streaming moment of all time? Favorite streaming moment of all time. It's either got to be when I hit a thousand subs on my first subathon whenever uh, uh, Verdansk was getting nuked originally. Or it has to be, no, nah, it's got to be that one. It's got to be that one. Because I was live for like five days covering the entirety of everything and hitting a thousand subs is something I never thought was possible. Or actually, you know what, COD next. COD next and then also killing Shroud at that most recent Infinity Ward event. <laughs> you have a uh, favorite meta of all time. My favorite meta of all time? Um, I really, really liked the Bruin. The Bruin meta was fun. Bruin MP5. Yeah, that's the first get a time. Lot of the Bruin. Yeah, I, I don't think we've say, ever got the Bruin before. First time we've had that answer. It's a lot of kilos, a lot of, uh, you know, no stock M4s and Amaxes, but uh, Bruin, I respect that. Um, I would say, your what's your favorite competitive format? Uh, if you have one, because I know you're about to be in the booth for the Toronto event. I like customs and I like custom tournaments that involve a draft. Yeah, I like that. Good answer. What is your best performing tweet of all time? It's actually on my personal account. Um, it's not on Modern Warzone. It's on Doug Dagnabbit, and it's when I called Keemstar out for being a piece of shit. He got two hundred and sixty thousand likes. <laughs> I I have seen that pinned to the top of your personal account, and uh -huh. uh, it's a good tweet. So I respect the hell out of that. Um, okay, last question. Then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, if you could do any dream brand deal right this very second, what would it be? Any dream brand deal right this second, what would it be? Oh, that's a tough one. Um, I would probably want to work with NVIDIA, like have like a lifetime thing with them. Heck yeah. Yeah, we'll have to call up Atriox and see it's what either, that the, either them or Xbox. Sure. Yeah. Different well, answers. answers. We we oftentimes get um shoe brands, clothing brands, um, energy drink brands. Um, I, I don't think we've got that before. So I like uh I like the uh, kind of change of pace. But uh Goach, I know that uh there was something on my timeline that we both woke up to today and uh it was it was poor poor Doug was getting uh getting picked on, I think. <laughs> yeah, Doug, talk talk me through what your morning consisted of. You had a little bit of maybe some coffee, a Red Bull, what have you, maybe a bowl of cereal, and then all all of a sudden captain price is roasting your ass on the timeline what's going on well i knew it was coming because the call of duty account dm'd me about three weeks ago and let me know that they were going to use my picture with him reacting to it um they were like yeah he roasted a couple of y'all i figured that he liked mine but uh yeah i woke up found out that captain price the man himself was uh telling me i look like an eight-year-old who had a had a mustache copy pasted on him and honestly <laughs> I have to say, I've gotten a lot of flag in a lot of different ways for my facial hair. That is probably the most on-point roast I've ever heard. Because I truly do look young, even with the mustache. I, uh, Katie, I'm thinking at some point, maybe later in this podcast, after we, we bid uh, Doug farewell, we'll go back through that, watch that video, and just yes. scroll through the comments. Because it is a oh, yeah. hilarious thread and doug you took it like a champ i i appreciated the heck out of that interaction and it was i mean it was well thought out roast for sure mm -hmm. 
Yeah, if you can't be the butt of the joke, you should never be able to make somebody else the butt of your jokes. Hey, amen. Well, advice. Let, let's talk about state of the game, my friend. Uh, game's been out for a number of weeks. You were talking about how much you're playing it currently. Um, we got to go through kind of a basic rundown of where the game's at versus where we expected it to be at, you know, this many weeks in. And and, and not to leave the door too open, want to start with something that you actually brought up very recently around cheating slash terms of service. Because... Uh, you talked a little bit about on the timeline how you reported a cheater and they were gone in four seconds or something like that, right? Talk, talk mm -hmm. me through some of that process and what you've seen with the amount of hours you've played from the cheating side of things. So the guy who ended up killing me only had four kills. So I think that they were stream sniping and trying to stop our nuke attempt. I was playing with Landmark, the, most, the number one most watched uh, Tarkov streamer. And I think that I didn't hide my screen that game, so we had stream snipers because if you're... If somebody in your lobby is going for a nuke, you know that they're going for a nuke, but you don't know where the individual elements are that they have to pick up. This guy was just sitting on top of the element and literally taunting me. Gotcha. Um, I I don't I'm not sure if he was reported throughout the game because he like I said he only had four kills, but within four seconds of my team reporting him, he was insta banned. I also saw uh, from another popular content creator, uh, I am Expel. Uh, he posted where he was in a solos game, reported a guy after watching him for a minute. That guy got banned in 30 seconds. So it's not just a me thing. I saw a lot of replies to my tweet thinking that it because I'm whitelisted or I have connections, this, that, or the other. I don't think that's what it was because I'm not disagreeing with those people. I've gotten people live banned in Warzone 1 before while streaming, but this was not. that's not what happened here. This was we used the report function and it just insta yeeted him out of the game. Yeah, and, and to kind of follow up on that, I mean, I think it was maybe Maverick or, or somebody quoting Maverick. They were talking a little bit about there's a chance that instead of kind of this whitelist idea that most people think there actually is, which, you know, there is some some truth to that. But um, from this side of things, it might be more of, hey, maybe the in-game system, maybe Ricochet is labeling people as kind of like high-risk players of like, hey, this is person is probably cheating and then the live reporting of certain accounts that maybe don't report or spam report often could have maybe a bit more, uh, you know, pack a punch behind them that could kind of seal the deal. Um, I I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case, but it's a decent conjecture. I actually uh, think that Maverick's dead on there because a big problem with Warzone 1 is that everybody just reported people. Like there were so many clips of people just getting reported every single time they died. And I get that people thought it was comedy or some type of content thing, but all it was doing was clogging the system and stopping real cheaters from getting banned because the boy who cried wolf, nobody's going to listen to you when you really are reporting somebody. So I think that there might be a loyalty slash honor system here mm -hmm. uh, because that was my first time reporting anybody in Warzone 2. That was my first time seeing a cheater. Um, I'm not sure about my teammates. I I know that Bonk and Landmark and all of them don't just, and Godku definitely don't just go around randomly reporting people. So it could have been that it saw that my entire team reported the same guy at one time for the same reason. It was like, okay, let's do a quick scan. And the scan immediately popped up a cheat because the guy was actively using it. Yeah. Because after he got banned, his teammate had 10 kills and his teammate was also cheating, but his teammate toggled off his aimbot. He just couldn't hit a shot after that out of nowhere. <laughs> it was crazy. And he didn't wild. get banned. And we reported that guy too. So maybe by the time that his got scanned, um, it just wasn't there. I'm not sure exactly how it worked. 
mean, it's interesting how I think things like that can play out, but it's certainly good news to hear that that report system uh, maybe feels more robust and um, more responsive when something like that is going on, especially when it's as egregious as you were talking about. Uh, but there was something else in conjunction with those nukes that you also tweeted about, and and that was VPNs. Uh, VPNs have been yeah. uh, an on and off topic for a long time, uh, but you tweeted so many people accusing me of using a VPN to get nukes. Meanwhile, our last attempt was in a lobby with the Baca Bros and Super Evan. Now, I think most of the time the conversation is, are VPNs a problem? No, unless it's in competitive. In competitive, if you're using VPNs, yes, that's cheating. In regular games, who cares? But what was your take on, on that situation and maybe people using VPNs to try and get easier lobbies for nukes? I, like I said, like, I, I still am of the same standpoint that I don't have an issue with people who do VPN. I, I would much rather them be open about it. I think the reason that you see me make multiple tweets about it is because it fucking pisses me off to be accused of using something that I am not using. I have never used a VPN. I use a NetDuma. I have the box right here. And I have no problem with letting people know that. I remember it was like a gotcha moment when Bad Boy Beeman first noticed I had one. Um, but there is no VPN going on on my end. I personally do not care who does use one to get a nuke because it doesn't matter. The entire lobby is going to try to kill you. Yeah, it right. does not matter. It does not matter. And, and the other thing is, is that people on that tweet, they use that as a reason as to why I just double confirmed that I'm VPNing because the Baku Bros are VPNing too. <laughs> and then I also tweeted later that the next game after that game, we ended up in a game where another team was trying to do the nuke contract at the same time as us. I didn't even know that was possible. So they had in a completely different three elements to spawn and they were doing it in the early game. We were waiting to do ours later game. Um, but yeah, and then everybody was like, oh yeah, so those guys are definitely VPNing too. Like it's just this dumbass confirmation bias that people just don't want to accept that maybe other people are better than you in certain things. I, I truly do not have an issue with people who do use VPN. I personally do not though. Yeah, and we've been through this kind of like uh, pony show or whatever that's horse and pony show, whatever that that idiom is. Dog I want to, I want to, whatever dog and, dog pony, and pony, horse dog. and pony doesn't matter. We've been through this pony show forever. We've been going over this over and over about VPNs and all this stuff. Half of it, it, it doesn't isn't even valid, right? The the kind of terminology that people use and the ideology of what they think VPNs can and can't do is totally misplaced. Is there an idea mm -hmm. and, a, and a way of kind of manipulating your lobby so that you search for a lobby longer and theoretically? Theoretically, don't match your SBMM as tightly. Yeah, absolutely. But in all reality, it's not as big of a deal as, as a lot of people make it. But we'll move on from that because let's talk about kind of just cool. one more thing about that. Oh, go is ahead. That I, I've actually seen uh, Ra Ra, who used to be like a hacker hunter to a degree, um, tweeted that based on what he's seen is that if you use a VPN, you get thrown into shadow ban lobbies against people who are suspected of cheating at the moment. And any, anybody else that I've known that I've seen talk about VPNs in conjunction with what I've been tweeting about is saying that they don't even work on this game. And I do know that some big creators out there do use VPNs and they're pretty open about it. I mean, mm -hmm. um, like for instance, I pulled up Dr. Lupo's stream yesterday and he was just memeing about it. Like he he doesn't care what people think, but he he himself was saying it doesn't work. So yeah, I don't right. know if they even work on this game. Well, I just think it's that whole subset crowd of the hacker hunter yeah. community just looking to, to piss people off 
yeah it's this kind of like uh i won't use the official term but this kind of circle of people that can continually think the same ideas loop. yeah feedback loop yep. is a great way to put They're it in their own echo chamber exactly yes. um but uh yeah and i think there's also a case to be made that sbmm is probably not as strong as it could be considering this is a brand new game right so there's the wide variety of skill a wide variety of game knowledge and that will totally uh determine and how that's strong why i wanted to get my is. nuke done early everybody was like why are you trying to do it when there's all these dev errors i want to get it done before everybody in the world gets good at this game and figures out how to stop it that's that's the right idea for sure because it is a very difficult challenge and you've been able to do it now seven times with the right people and and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second but let's talk about quality of life let's talk about the state mm -hmm. of the game uh in its entirety because one of the biggest points of conversation has been twofold it has been ttk and it has been looting so let's start with TTK, Doug. Give me your thoughts, because most people are saying way too fast. Where are you at right now a couple weeks in? Oh, uh, it's a hard argument. I think it's way too fast at close range. I think that you just get insta-deleted. I think the P890 akimbo pistols, any akimbo pistol in this game will quickly show you. Yep. And, the, I mean, shotgun should one hit down, I guess, after I got roasted on the timeline for saying they shouldn't. <laughs> um, currently, snipers don't one-shot kill. That's a big point of contention for a lot of people. Um, I think that they maybe could raise the health just a little bit. I, I think that people really look at what Warzone was one was with rose tinted glasses. We had to like it took a long time before we got a higher TTK in that game, and it took multiple months after they originally made the Twitter poll to see if that's what we wanted uh, for us to actually get that heightened TTK. Um, I think it does need to be raised probably by about fifty eight. We either need fifty more HP or these guns have to stop killing so fast. Yeah. yeah, and I I think it's particularly, you said it, it's that close range fight that is where it feels the worst. Long yep. distance, actually, I have no issue with it. It feels like you have that ability to have counterplay. You're not just going to disappear off the map. But it doesn't feel good in a close range fight where you can get sometimes three or four bullets into someone. But if they whip around and get that headshot multiplier on you, you're gone. You don't even have a chance, even if maybe you were making the better play, better positioning, get those opening shots. Um, and I would love to see in whatever fashion that be adjusted. Um, because uh, again, long range I, th I think it's there so it's in a good place but it really is a lot of those close range fights that are going to leave you uh leave you wanting yeah and i think that's like the best thing about this current game and the reason why i liked it so much from the first time i played it i did have a lot of gripes with it at cod next when i first got my hands on it but the long range gameplay of this game is 10 times better than warzone one you're not just shooting laser beam assault rifles across the map Sure, we have the RPK dominating right now, yeah. but it, it's not—it's nowhere near what it was before. Snipers are still viable at long ranges in this game because ARs and other long-range options just aren't as good. Yeah, it, it's that—it's that weird balance we have right now, and that's—that's that's part of the conversation about one-shot headshot snipers. Is that if you throw those into the game, everybody's just going to use those. That's all you're going to see on the map is just scope glints everywhere. Um, I do think that they got their hands full when it comes to like properly balancing all of these things. But I think that the first step in the right direction would be uh, a lowering close range TTK or, or making it take longer to die at close ranges or just giving us 50 more HP. Yeah. And it is this balance as well. Like uh, I've seen some conversation around headshot multipliers, right? Like there are some weapons that mm -hmm. headshot multipliers are out of this world. You hit a couple mm -hmm. headshots, which you should be rewarded for, to be fair. But if you hit a couple headshots, the person can't even blink before they go down. So this, it's this very hard balance that I'm sure they're trying to take on how do we balance this game from a long range perspective, a close range, close range perspective, and try to stay away from any one shot kill weapons and 
to be honest with the sniper side of things they're they're doing that with the three plates my only argument that i've ever had and i'd love to hear your take is just the frequency of of three armor three plate armor vests like if that's the limiting factor on one shot headshots on snipers i mean i find like seven in every 30 seconds that i walk on the map yeah, I kind of feel like that their their idea behind adding the three-plate armor vest was because there was so much regain potential in Warzone 1 and that somebody could just land on you and beat you to death or they could shoot you with a pistol and you could have everything and have better positioning. It doesn't matter. They would catch you by surprise. Now when somebody comes back from the gouge, they're almost guaranteed to have two plates unless they're smart and find a three-plate in there, which I don't really agree there should be a three-plate in the gulag. Um, I don't know if it was the right choice. You know, I kind of I kind of do miss when everybody had three plates. At the same time, you know, it adds another a dynamic to the game. And I feel like they want this game to be as dynamic as possible, as many different ways to win, as many different things that can hold you back or, or help you out. Yeah, I, I like the three-plate addition. I just wish that because that's the delineating factor on whether or not you get one-shot headshot, I just wish they were, like, slightly less in, infrequent, right? Like, the frequency mm -hmm. of them on the map is twisted, but it, it's a good shot. I do think, like, adding I think, in a variable is nice. I think as players start to learn the map more and uh, start to figure things out, because one of the biggest complaints that we had at our first time playing at COD Next was that there's no money on the damn map. We couldn't find money. And now everybody's able to find money. You know, you got people running around with twenty, thirty thousand dollars because they know where to go look. They they explicitly made this map to be certain areas have certain type of loot, stores have certain type of loots, and these hidden caches that are riddled throughout the map. If yep. you haven't found any of those yet, those are regain central. They typically have one kill streak, a three plate vest, and okay. everything you need to fight somebody, a gun and a couple thousand dollars. Um, I think like once there's a definitive map out there for those that people will have less hard of a time as well as once people like I, I don't know if you guys saw that like post that Jay God did where he did a poll on his YouTube yeah to see and like it's astonishing how many people just don't even get their loadouts these days and aren't even trying to interact with the strongholds every single stronghold you do you get a three plate vest for your whole team you get a medium backpack you go do a black site you get a large backpack yep um these, I think that these are kind of good philosophies because they want to force engagements. They don't want people to just camp because obviously uh, this game is still off the MW2 engine. And if you're holding an angle, you're probably going to win the gunfight if they don't know you're there. Um, but I, I kind of agree with you, Gosh. I almost wish it was just, you know, default. You get the three, the three plate vest. Well, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, there's, there's a fun conversation there. I, I don't know if it's whether we want to give everybody the three plate or, <laughs> hey, if that's the delineating factor, then we can raise the, the TTK. We can make it, you know, take longer to kill people. But then you kind of balance that with most people have two and to, finding a three plate vest is actually a huge boon rather than completely commonplace. There's an argument for both sides of that. But Katie, I know you want to go talk about AI. This is a, a big point of conversation. So take it away. The last, the last thing before you jump into that, though, Katie, I see a lot of people online that have a very good idea that I like, and it's when if they do do what I'm saying and they do do well, um, <laughs> if they if they move wow. it to um, everybody automatically has a three plate vest to deal with the TTK issues because some people are just like not understanding that they're dying that fast because they have a two, only two plates on. If they do that, they should add a helmet to the game, and that'll be what stops you from getting one shot headshot by a sniper. Because currently, a, the three-plate vest is the only thing that saves you from that. Yep. I think it's a it's something interesting to talk about for sure. I don't know if that's a direction they even want to go in. No. But there's there's definitely options available to them if if that's the choice 
that they have. But you talked about it, right? When it comes to something like a stronghold, uh, you got to get through all those AI. You defuse that uh, bomb, and then you get everything that you need, uh, especially considering loadout weapons. Now, I love the fact that a lot of the ground weapons feel good to use, mm -hmm. even if you can't get your hands on your loadout weapons. But let's talk about AI, because AI has been a pain point for people since we first got our hands on even trying out the game. A lot of people are going to be upset about the difficulty in distinguishing immediately in fights, whether it's an AI or whether it's a person. Also, the range at which AI are going to engage with you and pursue you. And Doug, I know you yourself have tweeted uh, about some of those pain points that you have had with AI. So the more you've played Warzone 2, um, whether it's been DMZ, whether it's, of course, been going for things like those those nukes in Almazra, how has your opinion shifted? Has it shifted on the current state of AI? So when I played at Codnex, that was my biggest point of feedback. And I, uh, I'll be honest, I spent the entire day after we went and played just talking to everybody I could and being like, please just take them out of the game. If they're not, because at the, the point in time, they were extremely broken. They right. just didn't work right. Um, and they were also throughout the entire map. So thank God that they listened to our feedback when it came to that and they removed them from the entirety of the map. They only are at strongholds now. I don't know if you guys saw the tweet where I had them chase me 200 meters that's, away that's from a I'm stronghold. <laughs> oh my God, that should never happen. Second of all, I, I like the fact, one of my first complaints about this game when it first came out was that I felt like the strongholds were too random. Um, and there were only three of them on the map. So I, at first I thought only three teams could get their loadouts before the world dropped, but that's not how it works. We all know that now. You can go to a stronghold that's already been completed. You can kill a couple AI, and then you can get your loadout. You won't get the, the backpacks and all that. My biggest issue with the AI right now is not their difficulty, because if they're less difficult, then they're literally, there's no reason for them to be there. They should be a threat, or else you shouldn't even have to think about them. Is that they come in too often. Unless there is an enemy pulling up on the stronghold to try to recomplete it and do the stronghold annihilation to get their loadout, there's no reason there should be 20 AI just chilling there defending the building. They After have to be I clear by an yeah, actual player in That's what I think. I, that's what I think. And I don't think that I think that way too many reinforcements come in. Certain black sites on this game are much harder to do than others, as well as strongholds, is what I figured out throughout these nukes. At one of the black sites that we did, as a team, we had to kill, I believe, 60-plus AI. <laughs> Just that, I, excuse my French, that was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> Stupid. I can deal with killing maybe 5 to 12 of them. Um, but I, I do think that, I mean, I did my Twitter poll on it too, and like 80% of people just don't even want them in the game and on like a 60,000-person vote. And I know people are going to be like, that's such a small person in the COD community. I've talked to people who actually, you know, like work on political campaigns and look at polling numbers. 60,000 is plenty enough to have a good trustworthy rate on those sample polls. Well, sample size, yeah. And I, I think something for me that... I agree in density and frequency of AI is something that certainly could stand to be fine-tuned. Um, I'd love your thoughts on AI versus player distinguishability in those moments where perhaps there's... Uh, think of the one near Hi-Rise, that stronghold that, that shows up uh, across the river. There's often times where you'll be fighting another team around that same area. There's AI shooting left and right. There's people shooting left and right. And it can be visually difficult at times to distinguish who exactly is shooting at you or if someone's shooting on the ground, if that's a player or not. But I'd love to know your thoughts on that. If you think maybe it's not as big of a deal or if you agree it needs to be changed. 
I think you start to get used to it after a while, but that's sort of the risk reward that they want the strongholds to have. They want you to have that issue and they want you to be able to push through because once you do complete the stronghold, you get a permanent UAV on that location that will let you know when the players pull up. Yep. They want you to try to rush through that and get that done as fast as possible. Mm -hmm. The problem comes in is that every other team on the map doesn't get that same luxury. So every time you go near a stronghold, somebody else probably has a UAV ping on you, and you have no idea where they're at. All you know is there's bots all around you, and you got to clear them out before they insta-down you. Um, I, I, I truly, like, if it were up to me, they just wouldn't be in the game. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I, I would love to get, like, a, I know you've done a Twitter poll. I would love to, to hear more people's comments, and uh, you can tweet at us if you guys are in the Twitter space. I know there's a lot of you. If you want to uh, tweet at us, tweet at Doug, tweet at myself, Grandmaster Goge, or World's Bedford on Twitter. I'd love to hear your opinions on the AI, the state of the AI in the game. Because um, one of the other things that we've talked about multiple times, Doug, is not only AI, but also just player counts on the map. And the map is quite large and it takes a while to traverse um there are certain vehicles that can help with that but in terms of comparison to verdance or even caldera of course with the the redeploy balloons i mean we're talking about uh you know it takes much longer to get across this the entirety of this map it seems like the density of players isn't quite where it should be like a lot of people are saying hey why are we not playing with 200 people and maybe ai is supposed to compensate that but over the course of the last several hundred hours you put into the game already what, what are you thinking on overall player counts it needs to be raised. It either needs to be raised or they need to figure out something out to make regaining easier, such as redeploy tokens or double gulag tokens like they used to have. That's so, so many players' big frustrations in this game is that the quality of life and all the things they did to improve on the formula that worked on Warzone 1, it was like they just scrapped it. They're like, all right, we're going to completely do this brand new. Um, I think that the, it, me personally, I would experiment with 175 to 180 players. And then if the servers can handle it, maybe look at going to 200. The big problem is, is that the early game is fine. And, the, the, and Caldera had the same issue, and they openly talked about it in our creator meetings and on Twitter, is that early game, fine. Engagement rates all over the map. Everybody's fighting. Everybody's having a good time. Mid game, dead. Yep. In game, mm -hmm. hot again. And that's just not a fun experience, you know? You should be engaged in something at all points of the map, and I don't think you should replace my engagement with with me shooting a bot. Like I would rather fight real players. Yeah, th there is definitely an interesting conversation there. But, like that's how customs play out, right? Like like if when you start talking about custom tournaments, and you and I both love those a ton. Like that's how a custom tournament usually works, right? You you have highly aggressive starts for a lot of players if they want to go for the kill multipliers, and then you've got the middle game, which is all about setting up for the end zone, and then you have your end zone. But in pubs, that has never been the case. Even for a casual player, you can slow your own pace down by playing very slow in one of those circles. But you're gonna have oftentimes run into other players trying to do the same and on this map it doesn't feel like that's the case at all um so so in terms of talking about pacing too quickly let's talk about looting as well like this is looting was the biggest concern even over ttk i think from the very beginning how slow or different looting was and most people have gotten used to it at this point if you played a lot of hours what's the take now uh, a couple hundred hours in it's definitely 10 times improved from cod next at cod next we had to like loot every single thing that we opened like we had like how like right now if you go open like a medic package it'll have the stems and you have to go through that little menu it used to be every single supply box had a menu which was just ridiculous um they they improved that I don't, i'm not really sure what else they did to change the looting right now my biggest issue is is that when you point at something it doesn't necessarily like let you pick up exactly what you're pointing at you have to do this weird finicky moving around hoping it selects it i honestly don't have that big of an issue with the backpack system anymore i've gotten used to it 
Um, whenever they talked to us about it, it was more so that they wanted there to be a risk to looting somebody you killed because there wasn't in Warzone 1, and they believed that every BR, there should be a risk-reward for every decision. Um, like, uh, if you've never played PUBG, you've never... Like, Fortnite was the first game that started the loot pinata system. But H1Z1 and PUBG, if you wanted to go loot somebody, you were damn sure risking your life. And, you know, sometimes you have to loot somebody to have a chance to win the rest of the game. I think that that adds an interesting dynamic. Um, I, I do see players who have very good thoughts that think that it should either be one way or the other. None of the loot should drop on the ground or all of their loot should drop on the ground. Either have backpacks or don't have backpacks. I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence about that yet. I don't know exactly how I feel about it until they make this whole how you grab loot off the ground less buggy. Yeah, And sure. games like H1Z1, I'm not sure if H1 had it, but PUBG definitely had it where even on console where you had the vicinity looting, you open up your start menu and it opens up your backpack and you can see things and you can go through and loot like that. I really like that. The other issue with looting that I have that I do believe is a quality of life and it was overlooked is that you currently there is no way to loot medium and large backpacks off yep. of people you kill, yep. which is just idiotic. <laughs> if I kill somebody that has that good of gear, I should be able to take their backpack. Similar to Apex Legends. I mean, most people that are in this Twitter space probably think I don't pay attention to any other games or play any of them. I believe you should be able to full swap your backpack out for somebody else's backpack. I also believe if somebody else has a three plate vest, Maybe you could swap out for that. I don't know exactly how that would work in the future, but I believe you should be able to full swap your backpack for somebody else's. I don't think that the solution to being able to grab a backpack off of somebody is going to be like, you know, I have to empty their whole backpack because there was a lot of people, like I did a Mythbuster thing. A lot of people the first couple of days thought if you fully emptied a medium or large backpack, it would automatically go into your inventory. And that is not the case. And also that is incredibly sluggish to do and not even worth your time 99% of the time. I just think you should be able to, to swap them. You know, if I have a, a five slot backpack and this guy has a medium, just go ahead and throw all of his gear from his medium into my five slot and let me like pick pick out what I want. Automatically upgrade me. Yeah. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. And, and one more follow-up to that, too. I mean, we start talking about some of these players that have been grinding wins. I mean, Wagnificent has over 400 wins already in this game, mm -hmm. which is incredibly impressive. One of the ways he's able to do it, though, is that he can stack, like, 10 self-revives in his backpack. I mean, talk to me a little bit about how you can kind of fill your backpack. Precisions, airstrikes, you can have as many as you want. You can have as many self-revives as you want. You could have 12 revive pistols. I mean, there's a lot of ways to get back up off the ground. They got to nerf that based on what they talked about in studios. They wanted this game to be as much about emerging gameplay as possible. That's why in the Warzone 2 trailer, whenever it released, uh, you saw at the very, very end of it, the guys like skydiving in basically back from the gulag and that the LTV with the turret on it is floating in the air and he lands on it and starts gunning everybody down. They want you to be able to look at something and think, oh, can I do this? And you can do it. And I, I, I don't I, I still don't know exactly how I feel about it, man. I actually lost a question when I started thinking about the trailer. Uh, but yeah, I was just talking about uh, like self revives, like stacking self revives. That is the biggest problem, though. I think I really like that you can do whatever you want if you go earn that large backpack. That's cool. At some points, it becomes game breaking, though. I mean, you can hold up to eleven things, so you could have a self revive in your thing and then ten more in your backpack. It just becomes a problem, and the and I don't know how much you guys have played, but towards late game utility gets nuts like yes. if there is no cover and there is just precision cluster cluster precision mm -hmm. precision there's nothing you can do also the current problem with self-revives 
is that when you self-revive, you automatically get like half of your HP back or whatever it is. That's not exactly how it used to work, but you can self-revive like forever in the gas. So no longer do you even need a stim glitch. You just need self-revives and you can stay in the gas practically forever. I think they should limit it to a max of three self-revives on each person. Yeah, I think that's that's great. You you said it perfectly, right? At some point, it just starts breaking the game. And having that many self-revives can also sometimes exacerbate that extremely fast TTK close range that we talk about as well. Because if you're in a 1VX situation and someone has four self-revives in their backpack and those headshot multipliers are coming into effect, including how slow it is when you play it and everything else, it can just really make a fighting situation feel bad for the opponent or you or whoever maybe uh the only other thing i would say on that is um backpacks should never despawn if you're in the process of looting them if i am looting a backpack <laughs> and i back out for a minute because i need to drop something or i want to get something else i should not have that backpack disappear in front of my face that is extremely frustrating when you're trying to play the game say you land on your own loot you're trying to get your loadout weapons you have to switch something around bam it disappears and you know thousands of dollars just goes away but let's keep moving on because Charlie Intel tweeted out something very interesting. There's been a lot of talk about resurgence. When are we going to see that different game mode outside of Warzone 2, Almazra, and, of course, DMZ? And we got that potential map leak that Charlie Intel was tweeting about. It looks like, and again, it, it's leaked, so can't really necessarily confirm anything, but uh, sub-50 yes, players, very small, <laughs> and that's why I'll, that's I'll hand it over to like. you, Doug. Uh, that's why I'll hand it over to you, but it, uh, you, I'm sure, know all about this, so so talk about this resurgence mode leak. Um, first of all, I texted Charlie about it late at night and was like, yo, have you seen this? And then he goes and tweets it before he even replies to me, the bastard. <laughs> um, Those are fighting but, words. Uh, Get him on the yeah. arena. But um, it's real. I'll just say that. It's real. Um, I don't even know what to say about it. I think we need it. We need it bad. We need a bad. Um, I'm not one to say that I think that, you know, Rebirth makes up the majority of the community, but I think that everybody should be able to have fun on Call of Duty, especially the way they have it done right now. It almost seems like they want Call of Duty to encompass any type of play style. We're going to have COD Mobile. We're going to have Call of Duty on Nintendo Switch. We're going to have uh, on or not COD Mobile, uh, Warzone Mobile. We're going to have all these different ways, and they're all cross-progression and all this, but no, no Rebirth for you kids. I think that their decision to remove those two maps, Fortune's Keep and Rebirth Island, were smart to get people onto Warzone 2. But at the same time, like it was kind of a big, big slap in the face to those people who really truthfully just enjoy Resurgence. So if you were to ask me, I think we'll see it a lot sooner than the previous leaks thought we'd see it. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, to be frank, like a, a leak about Resurgence coming isn't really a leak. Like we all know no, it's we going knew it was to gonna come, come yeah. right? It's just a matter of what map will it be? What part of the map will it be? Or will it be a totally different map like we had Rebirth, right? Um, so it, it was super interesting to kind of like look at it. And, and I will be curious too, is like, hey, is uh, is it going to feel the same? Like, will it be the same Resurgence that we're, we know? Or are they going to make a lot of changes like they did with Warzone 2? Because I assume that's their plan, right? Like, hey, we want to make this a new game, not just the same old resurgence mode we had in a, in a, on a new map uh, because this is Warzone 2. This isn't Warzone rebranded. This is Warzone 2. It's a different game. That's a big worry is that once this map does come out, what if the rebirth mains and the, the fortunes keep people just don't like it because of the way this game plays? They don't get to slide cancel around everywhere and play like crackheads. I mean, you still have to basically play the game the same way. You just get to respawn. 
Um, that's going to be a big, that's going to be an exciting week for me to try to figure out what the community thinks. Cause I don't know. I'm a yeah. bit worried. I'm not going to lie. I'm a bit worried because it's just the opposite of what rebirth used to be. doesn't matter if the map plays the exact same way, same number of people. If there's the same amount of engagement rate, the it's going to feel completely different. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. Yeah, well, it's uh, it's a fun conversation to have and something that we'll have to kind of wait on and see what happens with the resurgence folks at home. But hey, if you're waiting on resurgence, keep waiting. It will come. Trust me. There's no question about it. Just a matter of when, um, along with uh, hopefully customs as well. So uh, excited for that in 2023. But uh, yeah, it was one of the other things we talked about. You, you, we mentioned nukes multiple times, Katie, but we, there's also people that are really good at nukes, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. Bunk, who you talked about that you've been playing a lot with and other people like that. But I mean, Katie, uh, talk to me a little bit about what we're seeing on the timeline, because it's it's getting kind of crazy. Some people don't like it, but I think it might be OK. Look, I, I think Doug thinks it's OK, too, because we got people who are um, who are selling uh runs to get nukes uh you tweeted it top warzone players are actually beginning to run services to carry other players to a nuke in warzone 2 for money respect to the hustle this is a concept that is as old as gaming you yep. go back to mmos you go back to camo grinds so many different genres so many different games where pay players will help to do something for someone else i personally see absolutely zero issue with that because there's gonna be a lot of players who would like to be able to experience that who probably can't ever do it on their own. Um, but uh, what what have you seen about that? Do you see any potential issues with it? Or is your Respect the Hustle still standing? I respect the hustle. Like you said, Katie, this is something that's been around for forever. Um, there's entire communities in certain games that are developed around these type of people, and they're called Sherpas. They're people who can take people who otherwise would not be able to do something and teach them how to do it. Maybe then they can start taking other people through. I think that the biggest thing that kind of raised eyebrows was uh, the first person I saw post that they were offering the service is uh, $200 per person that carries you. So that's $600 total to get a skin, a calling card. We don't even know if this is going to be on the leaderboards yet. Hmm. I mean, it's really what you deem it's worth. And I've already had people DM me to send to them to refer them to this guy so that they can get, I believe it was Devious that tweeted yep. it. Yep. Um, but getting commissions for referring. <laughs> yeah, I literally before I send him, I was gonna hit him up and be like, "Yo, I want at least ten dollars. Give me some." <laughs> but um, I don't have an issue with it. Just like you said, I don't. Why? Why are you gonna knock somebody else's hustle? It's not hurting you at all. They're gonna get nukes regardless whether or not they're carrying a fourth person. It's still a difficult thing to do, and it, it's been going on since RuneScape. I mean, there are still people playing RuneScape, getting people to run their hard man like Iron Cape or whatever the hell, the, Inferno capes and all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's like this in every I did video this same game. Thing in Final Fantasy XI, way back in the day. This exactly. Is so common, and I agree with you. I think it it does not hurt anyone and you are providing an experience to someone who may otherwise simply never be able to have that on their own you know for someone who might be in a game where a nuke goes off so you're in a game where a nuke goes off to jump into a new one you know it, it doesn't impact you in any tangible way well i'll say for my seven nukes is that the people in the game truly enjoy like nuke, fighting yeah. you and trying to stop you yeah. or there's a bunch of people in the game chat that are like hey we want to help or we just want to watch we've been wanting to see one in our own game I just don't I don't see why there's an issue with it. I think if it was any other video game community than Call of Duty, it wouldn't it'd be a non-story. 
yeah no i i couldn't agree more i think it's a it's a fun new ad and i think most people are saying hey this nuke idea is brilliant it is a way to create brand new content and it is super super fun i mean even like nade shot is on the new grind man that's grinding been grinding for nukes it is it is cool to see like even high level influencers go for things like that and this kind of really difficult challenge especially if you don't have all the keys to success so um yeah i respect the sherpas uh, we'll see what the stabilization price ends up being in a couple months right it could be 50 dollars a person who knows it might be more than that but uh respect the sherpas folks at home uh, i like that they came up and thought of the idea because i was watching a bunch of the bigger content creators like tim the tap man getting his mickey mouse nukes no offense to tim he was just joining in after they went on a five streak and yeah. then symphony i think this idea came because symphony actually asked him to pay him part of his video because tim's video gets eight hundred thousand views that's a lot of money yeah um i, I like it i mean it's entrepreneurship yeah, I do too. Well, uh, final thoughts before we talk a little bit of drama and then we let you go because you got a cast to get to, my friend, is uh, we got to we gotta at least bring up DMZ. I know there's people, uh, we've mm -hmm. got comments on our, our Twitter space asking about DMZ, asking about how, you know, Plunder's not in the in the game, obviously, and there's a lot of Plunder folks out there that uh, aren't a fan of DMZ, but then there's folks that love DMZ regardless of the fact that the rewards maybe aren't what they would hope them to be. So I know you've played a decent bit of DMZ. Give me some thoughts on, on the current state of DMZ what you would like to see improved as it comes out of quote-unquote beta dmz is lit oh my gosh it was not very fun when i first played it at infinity ward because of crashing issues and we had no idea what we were doing um and we also had a much smaller player count than like what it actually should be i yeah. believe um it's great it's exactly what i thought it would be uh it's tarkov but for casual people you can go in there and you can make your own experiences and that's what they told us at the studio is that this is not tarkov but this is a sandbox rpg like game go in do what you want if you want to level up you can if you want to go fuck around and just be like hey guys you want to ride in my car you can do that you can assimilate teams like i've already exfilled with six people on my team um, I think it's buggy, though. It needs a lot of fixes when it comes to the missions, um, certain way the AI behave. Uh, I mean, shit. The AI are so strong sometimes that there's an entire conspiracy theory about skill-based AI, and it's just ridiculous. <laughs> but um, I think it's a ton of fun, and I encourage anybody who hasn't tried DMZ to get two friends, dedicate one night to it. Dedicate one of your gaming sessions to it. Go in there and try to do some faction missions. I guarantee you you're going to come out having fun. A lot more fun than you thought you would. Can, can... I, I did that with going in, it, just anything to get the M13B, right? To go yep. kill the chemist and exfil with that. And it was a lot of fun. I haven't uh, explored more of it, but based on what you've been saying, clearly we should be. Yeah, it, it's exhilarating. Can I ask you this, Doug? If we did a DMZ tourney, you playing, you casting, which one would you rather do? Ooh. I'm 50-50 mm, right now. I've really okay. wanted to like talk to some people about maybe trying to set one up. I'm not exactly sure how one would work. Got some um, plans. But there's definitely there's definitely opportunities to do one there. I, I One of the games we played in, I'm not sure what the max player count is. I used to think it was 60, but I think it's 36 or something like that. We ended up killing 14 people, so we killed half the map. Like If you want PvP, you can get PvP. 
you want pve you can get pve i think it'd make i mean escape from tarkov does tournaments if they can why can't dmz yeah definitely yeah why not and, and not just dmv or D dmv i've said that a lot I've, <laughs> the amount of times i've said the dmv and had terrible flashbacks is one too many <laughs> dmz um but that's not the only game road right let's talk about third person br because i've played it a number of times i know you've played it a number of times i actually think it's a lot of fun it's definitely a um learning curve to to kind of get used to the fact that you you can wide peek those corners and everything else but what about third person events is that something you'd like to see absolutely uh that's something i've been trying to you know talk about maybe uh trying to set up a third person hide and seek tournament uh you know stuff like that i personally uh i think the or third person could end up overtaking first person eventually maybe competitive or overall not competitive no no just for the casual player base that, I, I think that it's a lot of fun. I just don't think that people know how to jump on. And, you know, I come from a base where I played Fortnite. I played H1. I played PUBG. All those are third person primarily. And if you come from Xbox and you've ever played Gears of War, you're going to feel right at home playing third person. It's just one of those things that I, I don't know if it will take off. But from the first time I played it, we got that world's first W at that event. I was like, man, this is fun. Yeah. Uh, somebody clipped that, by the way. We're throwing that on the timeline. Doug thinks uh, third no, person. No, that's a hot take. First. It's good. It's a good take, though. I like it. I'll be curious to see what the, the general player base thinks, uh, you know, a couple months from now, right? Um, well, I also think it's really good to help people learn movement. I, that's what I've sure, noticed. Yeah. If you, it, it, I've, I've also seen uh, amateur um, competitive players in the multiplayer scene. When they, like, show new movements that they're discovering, they're doing it and learning those movements in third person mode because you can see what your player looks like. Right. Yeah, that's actually a great take. It actually would probably help with a lot of movement guides and things like that that mm -hmm. may come out down the line. Um, well, final question for you, Doug. You got a you got a place to be, people to see. You got a Toronto tournament to to desk analyst the crap out of. Um, we uh, I know you've been following it because we all have, and I think it's going on right now. There's a hundred thousand uh, dollars on the line in this World Cup tournament, and I think there's like. You know, there was $100,000 with the Optic Tournament. There was a little bit of controversy there. There was a lot of controversy with this 100 k uh, World Cup Tournament. I don't know if you've been following it at all, but would love to hear your thoughts on kind of the tournaments that we've seen thus far and the just general state of the tournament scene with where we have it in, in Warzone 2. Oh, Lord, this could be controversial. I think that people are starting to get sick of seeing the same faces in every single tournament, and I don't blame them. All these people who are the top competitors deserve to have spots at these tournaments, but there also needs to be a lower bracket of tournaments that way people can work their way into the higher brackets. And I just don't think that we're currently seeing that with the current landscape of Warzone. Eventually, your community is going to get jaded and stop even believing that they can make it to those big tournaments when they see the same people who have already had chances to compete for millions of dollars throughout the last couple of years in the exact same tournaments. Even when some of these tournaments are specifically made to diversify the, the pool of players to get to play in them. Um, when it comes to this most recent controversy about the Turkish guy cheating, right? Turkish guy cheating, getting yep. caught. Yep. It's going to happen. I don't know what, what else to say about that. When you throw people who aren't vetted, and I understand why it used to be like this, why every custom tournament and every big tournament was the same people because they were vetted. You knew they weren't cheating. You didn't want, want controversies in your tournaments. But at this point, Ricochet is working better. I mean, clearly that guy was able to hide it while he dropped a world record. Not quite sure how he went about that. Um, that guy's a piece of shit, though, and uh, he's deleted all of his social media accounts, yep. as he rightfully should have, because I don't even want to know what his DMs are going to look like. <laughs> um, but he got caught. He got caught, 
And when it comes to like um, the controversy around the optic tournament, shout out to TST. Those boys do a wonderful job trying to put things on. But when mm-hmm. it came to that f- final, you could just feel that they were done. You know, they were overall done with the day. And I felt that that was unfair to the two teams who had been competing all day and got to that point, you know, where they deserved a best of three twice. Not not one and done after the first best of three is reverse one by the loser's bracket team. That is something that we actually discussed on last week's episode. And uh, there's a lot of background that could happen to that um, kind of situations that could occur in terms of at, at the Arlington arena, they might've had a very hard deadline where they have uh. to be gone. Yes. So there, there's things like that, that can occur where the stadium saying you must be out by X time, or there's some production cost reason or other financial reason where they probably, I, I cannot imagine that TST wanted to do that just because of a convenience factor for themselves. I I do imagine there was probably some other circumstances going into um, that happening, but I do agree with you when it comes to the integrity of the tournament, when it comes to the players, when it comes to how that should be, it should never have been best of three into a a, a best of one. But um, very, very quickly, because I know you you got stuff to do. I want to go back to what you said initially about having those kind of tier two tournaments for new blood to be coming into the do you then believe that that top tier talent those consistent competitors say i don't know the super evans of the world they should not be allowed into those tournaments if they consistently have gotten invites to the biggest tournaments then no there's no reason they should be playing in those tournaments those tournaments are for for new people to that's like saying um should shotzi be able to go play in challengers like no he's already up at the top these are for people to work their way up in my opinion and I don't know if the Warzone competitive scene will ever get there because it's such an uncompetitive game by nature. But I would like to see more of that. I'd yep. also like to see more of the fun type tournaments. It's not like I said, those guys at the top who have been in all the tournaments deserve to be in them. But at some point, you know, there's some fresh faces that we've discovered throughout the past couple of years who just needed an opportunity yep. to go in there. And then they shocked everyone. And I, I would like to see more of that, you know, like even like I'm not even talking about people like us like sure we want a caster tournament and all that but there are people out there who grind this game every day and don't get recognition because their name is simply not known doesn't matter how many kills you can drop a game if nobody ever sees the the work and the effort you're putting in coming into fruition they don't care yeah so i i would like to see you know that second tier you know get done and when you talked about the arlington thing i agree and that's why i i don't hold anything against tst i was just merely from a viewer's perspective, it seemed like they were just done with it. And I will say this, from all three of our backgrounds, we understand how the tournament scene works. We know what goes into making a tournament for the most part. They had to have known that tournament was going to run at least four to five hours over. Oh, they had yeah. to have known. Yeah. It's the first, yeah. and they did. They chose to do a kill race. That was on them. I know that's all you can do at the moment because there is no private matches. But you had, like, I, I honestly thought the tournament ended a lot earlier than I expected it to. Yeah, same. Same, 100%. Uh, it, those, these events are always going to run for a long time. We're not going to have uh, customs for a little while. I don't have any like insider information, but it obviously is going to be at least 2023, probably a month or two in, but uh, excited to see customs come around. I, any person that's running a 2v2, listen closely. It's going to run at least 10 hours unless you have some wild and wacky format to make it go quicker. But Doug, I know you got to go. I want to give you one moment here. to. Is there anything we didn't ask you? Anything that you wanted to say, talk about the game that we didn't talk about? And then finally, just kind of shout yourself out people know you at this point you've been around the block you've been to all the invited events but uh definitely shout yourself out and and shout out the event you're about to go do 
Um, the only other thing that I will say is something that most people are just kind of forgetting about, and it's the, about the whole Jason Trier reporting on two years of Modern Warfare 2. I, th I still don't think that's the case. I still don't think it's the case. I think that this next upcoming game is going to be a premium title. You're going to have to pay $60 for it. You can label it as a DLC if you'd like to. All you'd like to. You can call it a DLC if you want. They're going to charge you full price for that motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, you never it. let us down. <laughs> so good. So good, Doug. Well, shout, shout yourself out and talk about the event you're about to go cast, uh, and then we'll let you go, my friend. Uh, name's Doug Dagnabbit. I'm the eight-year-old with a mustache glued onto his face. Um, I do a lot of Warzone content. Just got Twitch partnered, as they mentioned earlier. Um, I'm, I'm really, really, if anybody who's listening to this is a tournament organizer or working on tournaments, please consider me to cast your tournament, to analyze your tournament, to work the desk or host. I can do all of them. I promise to God, you would be really, really, really hard pressed to find somebody who understands this game and the community better than I do. Um, other than that, I'm going to do this Toronto Ultra 10K, which by the way, I've tweeted about twice now. It was open sign up for anybody in Canada. So this is one of those chances for people who do not, you know, get invited to the big tournaments to show out. So I'm I, honestly looking forward to it today. Um, I'm going to start my stream after this, and then we're going to raid into the Toronto Ultra channel, or it's actually the Bell channel, and uh, I'm going to get right into it. So it should be a fun day. I That's love it. That's the vlog. You're going to crush it. Yeah, Thank you. You're going to kill it, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. Good luck in the cast. And I can't echo what Doug said enough. I, I Honestly, I think TriCasts are my favorite type of broadcast. Anyways, this trio, we'd be dynamic uh, all the way across the board, whichever way you want to spin it. <laughs> so, uh, Doug, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. And thanks for giving us all of your opinions and info. And good luck with your event. Thanks for having me, you handsome man. By the way, your AI pictures, I, I decided to print he them says all out. And now I have Jesus just staring at me everywhere. Oh, jeez, not the AI picks. Yeah, you don't don't need to go uh, reverse Twitter search those on the on the timeline. They were th no wonder th those guys just made billions of dollars off of that AI program. They just made everybody look beautiful if you put a decent source photos. But anyways, all right, Doug, uh, I'll catch you later, my man. Uh, good luck with your event. Peace out, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, Goge, I know we have a lot more we need to talk about, but I, I don't want us to forget uh, that we want to pull up the video of Captain Price roasting it's Doug's so mustache good. because I do think we want to clip that in later uh, into that earlier portion of the Bot Lobby episode when he was talking about it. Yeah, I'm pulling it up. By the way, if you guys are still listening to Twitter, we're not done yet. Uh, Doug's portion is done. He's going to go cast. He's going to go stream. Definitely support him. But if you want to stick around and continue to talk about the drama in the Warzone scene, a lot of drama. We're, hanging a lot, out. A lot of drama. we're hanging out here for another 20 30 minutes or so but I, i'm we're also live on twitch twitch.tv slash grandmaster goes where we do our live streams i'm gonna pull up this tweet you guys can go find it on the timeline doug's already tweeted about it five times and it is freaking hilarious so let me see if this format works uh wrong button wrong button beautiful there we are we are looking at the tweet it's always my forehead man it's, it's always my it's forehead. Fine. all right i'm gonna show <laughs> this video and we're gonna listen to it on twitch and, and talk about it because it is hilarious the 40 second video of captain price just roasting doug it's amazing uh, Doug Dagnabbit. Now, Doug, I hope you don't mind me saying, this looks like a moustache stuck onto an eight-year-old boy. <laughs> and, then he, and then he shows his own, by the way, as like, a, yeah, this is the best um, way to do it. It's, it's fantastic. You know, the, the glasses are obviously on there to age you, um, but it's not working. It's not working. Um, you'll grow into the rest of your face and hopefully the rest of the beard. So I think I'm going to go back to my overall winner. For bravery, I'm going to go for Doug Dagnabbit for putting it all out there. Oh my gosh. 
the uh, the bravery part at the end is just the salt on the wound. He's like, hey, if I'm going for best mustache, it's gonna go be Doug just, just for the bravery. Eventually, yeah. and Doug's sitting here like, I'm a married man with kids. I don't know if I'm aging into this at this point. It's it's that's tough scenes for the guy at home, but hey, Doug, you <laughs> rock that mustache. Don't listen to Captain Price. Fabulous, well, fabulous. I, great call, Katie. But let's talk about the 100k that's going on right oh, now. Oh yeah. The the World Classic, the hundred thousand dollar Warzone event. That's it's actually live right now on Boom's broadcast. You can yes. check it out maybe after the podcast. You can go in right now if you want to. We love Chance and Miles. They were casting the whole thing, having a fun event. Um, kind of watch partying the event and, and walking through all the stages to set the scene. Doug kind of talked about some of the drama. We obviously have had a hacker that has been exposed and then booted off the team for Team Turkey. Um, there's been some rumors about a player that maybe provided fake identification and is not actually of quote unquote of age. I believe you need to be over 18 years old to compete in these events. There's been some drama, but it's because we have these kind of newer players entering into this tournament. The scene of this is kind of emulating the World Cup, right? You've got a total of 32 teams all representing different countries. Um, the expectation or the thought process behind it was, hey, we are uh, trying to represent these countries for people that maybe live there is what we thought. That's not the case or, or not even born there. It's kind of just people that would represent that country in some way, whether it's some kind of distant ancestry or current ancestry, or maybe they do live there. Uh, it's kind of been a wide modicum of just filling these countries, Katie. And because of that, of course, as you can expect with that description, you're going to have some controversy along the way. Overall, we found an end result that is pretty decent, right? You you do see a lot of the same faces. Um, you see people like, I think a good example is like Blast representing, I believe, Croatia. I believe he's got some ancestry there, um, but obviously doesn't live there, right? So it's like this, where's the line? And ultimately comes down to the tournament organizer. Yeah, and... Uh... <laughs> So uh, there's a lot of grievances that I think uh, were valid, but w w the problem was that a lot of it was occurring based on a complete lack of information, right? right? So all these players, you're getting this trickle effect. First off, a $100,000 tournament is one of the largest prize pool tournaments you are going to see in Warzone. That is immediately going to be blood in the water for people. They are all going to want to be involved. And then you say 32 countries. And what happens is that you get people trickling on these players, a lot of them that you may probably be very familiar with, saying, I'm representing X in this tournament. I'm representing X. And people panic because they say, well, there's there's no African countries represented in this, for example. Or or I know that Repuls was commenting on reactions from the Hispanic community about uh, the team representing Mexico uh, in, in Sage and Biffle. You had people accusing Noobs of not uh, having affiliation with Guatemala, even though Noobs was born in Guatemala. <laughs> there were so many different levels uh, of these reactions and a large part of it did come from the fact that this is a hundred thousand dollars and yeah. people want a piece uh, of that pie or an, uh, an attempt uh, an option to be able to at least try and get some of that pie but it I, I wonder could it have been avoided if all of the nations or, or or the teams were announced in conjunction with the tournament so that you avoided this kind of panic, trickle effect, reactionary um, kind of situation that we got. But I think the big, the big thing to note is that TST in no way 
deserves any criticism. They work so hard in this community to put on amazing tournaments and to do good things and to provide quality entertainment. They do it time and time again. And at their core, they are good people. And I saw Hitch at one point go to tweeting, my DMs are wild. Yeah. And uh, I just hope that that they are getting through this with their uh, all right, because at the end of the day, they're doing a good thing and how Twitter chooses to react to it, I, I don't think necessarily has been fair to them. Well, to be fair, I, I, I would say there could be constructive criticism, but not verbal yes. abuse, right? Those are very and different things. And there was not things. a lot of constructive no, criticism going No, on. not at least that we could see. Yep. So some of the other things that came up, of course, is that, like Katie mentioned, uh, at one point during the tournament, uh, again, there's this kind of mass influx of people going, I mean, I even made a funny tweet about like, hey, I'll represent Luxembourg and be a caster because it was kind of a joke. But a lot of people were doing that on a more serious yeah, level. My 23 and me says that I'm 4% right. Iranian, so I'm going to go represent right. Iran. Like, that's not how that works. Yeah, and because that was so chaotic, right, there was then the scramble. So I do believe you could have avoided that with kind of predetermined teams that were representing some of the countries. There would have been less of a scramble on the timeline of people freaking out, trying to grab spots. Of course, you don't see people that are usually in tournaments like Huskers uh, and, uh, and I believe Super Evan, like they both didn't get into the event. So there is that dichotomy of like, Hey, at least we're representing like there's there's only so many US spots, aka Almond isn't two. in it, a lot of the big names. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. so there there are some concepts around it that did work, but the big outcry from the black community very early was this idea of like, hey, we don't have anybody. There's not one right. single uh, black creator, black competitor competing in this event at all. And that is a huge issue in comparison to how, of course, many countries there are in Africa. And then you Correct saw Correct me if I'm wrong, that was Goge based though on that trickle of Right. At the time, we didn't have all, all the white teams. players yeah. responding and, and announcing the teams they were playing. Right, on. right. And, and there were, yeah, it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. But of course, even Swag put out a tweet saying, yes. I do not have a spot. They said they are out of spots. And then mm -hmm. after this outcry of kind of the black creators not being involved, uh, he did end up getting a spot and was representing Nigeria. And then once he made that announcement, which I believe he then deleted later, deleted, yes. there was a big outcry saying Swag's not from Nigeria. He's from Arizona. So there's just a lot of like yeah. misinformation out there on how these teams were put together, which ultimately caused this massive uproar on the timeline. Um, overall, the, the idea is fantastic. It's just a matter of A, execution, and then B, how do you roll out public uh promotion for an event well that kind of mitigates some of that negative interaction on the timeline yeah i think it's just it's tricky because um at the end of the day too money makes people do uh some odd things and behave in some odd ways and i i don't think you would have a, a lot of this to this maybe level if this was a $10,000 tournament. Um, but the fact that it's a $100,000 tournament, if that's a lot of money. That's, that's potentially life-changing money for people um, if if you can can win it. But um, there's just been a lot going on. I know in terms of, you mentioned it, the underage player, um, Clipper Rob immediately responded to that. And, and he, um, he works with Activision, immediately responded to that and said, who are you talking about? Give me this information because as you guys know, uh, you have to be of age to, to be able to play. You can't be 14 and compete in these tournaments for money. And he then responds after following up with Boom TV and he says, guys, you are misinformed. I have the receipts. I've talked with Boom. Everything is good to go. He said, uh, I asked Boom and they have the receipts that show people are of age. So if you are leveling some kind of accusation, it would be good to understand that understand that so that the rules are upheld for everyone so at least that one 
seemed like it might have been a nothing burger. Well, see, seemed like it's just a matter of verifying that ID because I have had a number of people DM me saying, no, this person's definitely 16 years old. Like, there's just no question about it. So I don't know what's going on. But we'll that, wait and see. like okay. Doug said, like Modern Warzone said, who we just had on a second ago, anytime you expand outside of this vetted group of people, there is always going to be issues. You might run into a yes. cheater. You might run into somebody underage. You might run into other things where people are, don't maybe aren't as accustomed to the tourney scene that are making crazy accusations, even though that's not necessarily correct. Or they don't uphold the rules correctly. With There's things mm -hmm. that we've seen on the timeline about people not upholding the correct rules on jailbreaks in 2v2s, where you have to splat if your full team's dead. Like You're always going to run into issues when you start expanding outside of this vetted circle, which why as tournament admins, a lot of times they don't. I don't t totally agree with Doug saying, hey, we should, and how do we do that correctly? But this is always gonna happen. The only way you get around this is a stupidly intense and extensive list of rules that people have to abide by or they will get the boot no matter who they are and what they do. So that's the only thing that could be tweaked in the Warzone scene. And I talk about this all the time behind the scenes and on camera is Warzone tournaments are put together so quickly and rapidly that oftentimes the rule set is left out or is, is the last thing to be filled out. And it is never extensive enough to, to cover every single gray area that you could run into, especially when you're playing tournaments inside of public lobbies. If you want a tried and true perfect tournament, it has to come from a perfect rule set, always. Yeah, and as you said, right, it's the nature of the beast right now with competitive Warzone, especially because competitive Warzone is an entity that has just been created kind of by those competitive players, right? It is not um, formally sanctioned by Activision. It is not a league. It is not like CDL. So a lot of those pain points in terms of time and the short time span you have to execute on things, certain things like extensive exhaustive rule sets are going to suffer by the nature of this not being something that is formalized. And I, I do think it was a little bit interesting. We had that, I, I think, squabble you were mentioning with Team Croatia. Blast is a part of that team. Um, it, it was facing off against Team Ireland. And it was Wiz who was tweeting at them and uh, Wiz on Team Ireland. They accused Team Croatia of, quote, scamming, quote, them out of qualifying for day two and implied that a Boom TV admin was unqualified for his job because he plays Rocket League. Uh, I don't necessarily think that was... Uh, necessary to the to the tweet but team croatia snapping back at them and saying okay you didn't follow the tried and true jailbreak rules which is that if your team in a in a 2v2 kill race if your team is full white and a jailbreak occurs you must fall to the ground and die you do not get that do over now if one player's alive the other one gets to come back but there was accusations back and forth suffice yeah. to say team croatia did not or pardon me team ireland did not qualify for today's finals yeah and, and you broke that down very nicely i'm showing the tweet on the screen if you're ever on the twitch and uh you look it, ultimately if you start coming at admins you've missed you've missed the bill you, you you're yeah. missing and wiz has played in tournaments so he should be better than this at coming at the admin but there is an interesting conversation here again going back to the rule set conversation of how do you make these calls this is a difficult call to make for anybody because what happened is you go into a lobby, you play against somebody that kills you in a very odd way, and if you're in a tough situation, tensions are high, there's a lot of money on the lie, this is the, the qualifying round to get to the finals where you're getting assured money. It's like, hey, uh, if I think this is a cheater, I'm going to at the very least report it and see what the admins say. So basically what happened, there's a clip here um, of somebody getting tracked through the water. It's very difficult to shoot people in the water. It's very difficult to see them, but this player tracked him through the water and killed him through the water. And so then that was reported as a hack, 
and or a cheater potentially it was sent to admins and admins made the calls regardless of what the admins say if you're coming at admins on the timeline it's a huge miss was it a cheater mm -hmm. to on, to be honest to me didn't look like a cheater but if you've got really experienced warzone players coming to admins saying hey i think this is a cheater there is maybe a bit of bias in, in a tough call to make from the admin perspective so but but it all comes back down to the rule sets can we actually put in a rule set for once and for all some sort of limiting factor on what a like how to report a cheater well right what does that process look like and then when does the admin make the call i think that should be included in the rules from the extensive amount of 2v2s that you and i have done um it should start at the very beginning it should go between the players right we finish the lobby out no matter what you play it out and if it's over you quit you see where the score was at you then look at it as all four players and say, hey, do we agree this is a hacker and we want to reset? If they agree, boom, we don't even go to the admin. We play again. We let them know the decision and we play. Or if there is not an agreement, which oftentimes there won't be, you then send it to admins and say, hey, here's the data. Here's the player's Activision ID number. Go look up their current stats. Go look at their headshot percentage or, or their, their shot percentage, their accuracy percentage, their whatever you want to look at. If there is not, and this is, goes back to traditional sports, if there is not beyond a reasonable doubt that they are a hacker, it is not a reset. If there is, beyond a reasonable doubt, information and data to say this is a cheater, then there's a replay. That's how it should work every single time, and there's really no reason to variate from that. And in all reality, you should probably have two admins making the decision rather than one person to give a little bit of backup and some conversation to be had. That's all I'll say about that. I know there's a lot of players out there that think pro players or big name players that aren't in the tournament should be the admins and they're making the calls because they play the game more often. I think there is maybe a conversation to be had about that. I know admins should be informed. They are the referees of our quote unquote sport. So all of that rambling to say it didn't seem like it was handled properly from the player side of things. And then the admins made a call and now we're, we're, you know, yelling at admins on the timeline because they play rocket league. I don't and care. That is if never they play, okay. I don't care if they play rocket league. They made the call. You're going to have to live by it. It can be frustrating and you can talk to the players about it. Uh, so either side, uh, it was kind of a miss. Uh, admin, uh, admins, any, any folks behind the scenes are not your verbal punching bags, no matter how frustrated you may be. And nine times out of 10, Taking immediately any grievances to Twitter first is the worst possible way to go around something. Because if you're upset about something that occurred and your first reaction is, I'm going to put this on blast on the timeline, and then you want to maybe go back to the admins or, or the, the TO and have a discussion with them, they're all you're signaling to them is that you're not going to be able to handle this in a mature and productive way. Uh, but again, I understand, as I said it, uh, both with uh, a lot of the drama that occurred when the tournament was announced uh, and drama that's occurring during the tournament while it's live. A lot of this is because it's a hundred thousand dollars and that is consistently going to go into the heightened emotion set of everyone involved and everyone who's watching. Uh, shout out to Flowers in the chat for bringing this up. I love this comparison. Has anybody seen the most recent uh, Mr. Beast tweet? It was like, uh, if you would you take ten thousand dollars to like randomly uh, kill somebody take, in the world? You take ten thousand dollars and you know that some random person in the world will die for that ten thousand. Do you take that, it? Look, I don't know how serious it was taken off obviously by the general public look at that poll and tell me that doesn't surprise you it, it's it's like 50 50 there is a ton of people voting yes for 10 grand to kill somebody else that they don't know randomly in the world to grab 10 grand people will do anything for money that is like the classic phrase not only in esports just in the general world so uh the fact that there's controversy in a hundred thousand dollar tournament for warzone playing in public lobbies that are fairly easy to manipulate uh, is not surprising at all 
Nico, I'm looking at this tweet, his follow-up. So as of right now, it's 55.5% no, 44.5% yes. And he tweeted, the people that voted yes killed 833,483 <laughs> people and made $8 billion, $8.3 billion, essentially. Um, and, and I think that's a great point, though, is that, again, we go back to the fact that out of sight, out of mind, right? There are people yeah. in this world. They don't care. It's going to be some random person that they don't know about. They'll never That's know about so it. So, what, so whatever. It's, it's easy. It's easy for them to just say, I don't know, whatever. And the same thing, though, can go to these emotional reactions in tournaments like this. You are not looking that person you are yelling at in the face. You know, Team Ireland, you're not taking a pot shot at an admin while you're sitting there, you know, across the dinner table from them. It's a, a faceless entity on Twitter or in Discord, and it makes it a lot easier to be mean to people. And I know we always eventually get back to the be nice to everybody. But um, case in point, money makes people do some really weird things. Yeah, well, it, it's been uh, it's been crazy drama on the timeline recently, and we're hoping there's even more and more because it always makes fun conversations for us. Uh, Bot Lobby Podcast, we're, we can find us on all major socials. You got Spotify, mm -hmm. iTunes, you got YouTube. We put all of our VODs on YouTube, and then, of course, we're live on uh, twitch.tv slash GrandmasterCoach. And then we do the Twitter space all the time. Twitter's been popping today because, you know, Doug's a Twitter demon, and he's been helping us out over there on Twitter. And I was looking back through some of our Twitter replies. I think the one that I briefly mentioned uh, but didn't, like, talk through... Uh, uh, we went through pretty much all of these questions, actually, uh, Was is the plunder. There's a lot of people that love plunder and a lot of people that want a plunder game mode uh, that DMZ does not fill. And to answer that question directly, I and Doug have zero information on necessarily where uh, and when or if plunder will be added. But should we hear anything? Don't worry. We'll report it over here on the Bot Lobby podcast. Um, Katie, I think that... Okay, wait, hold on, hold on, oh. hold on, coach. What's going on? Don't tell me you're going to ignore by far the best response tweet that we possibly have. Uh oh. There's no way. Which one? From Who Flung Dung 2. Oh, I did see that one. You want to read that Never out for heard. the people at home? Oh, shoot. All Never of our notes heard. are on the screen. <laughs> that, is, that is our notes, guys. There you go. Those are very extensive, as matter. you can tell. Um, never heard so much bull in my life. Dot, 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 dot. So one-sided. Never mind bot lobby. More like ass lobby. Hashtag kiss ass. Let's go. Hey, rebrand starting now. We're changing everything to ass lobby. It's time <laughs> to get a little spicy on the timeline. You heard of Shitter's Digest? Yeah, we make it happen. Ass lobby. Come find us on YouTube. <laughs> we are cheeks at all times. I we can be it. all caked up is our slogan. So many good alliterations and i agree with feedback that is our i think that might be our, our first hate mail and i'm here for it god i'm so here for it doug always brings the haters and i'm he always had the spicy takes too hey i think that i think that's all we have katie um i had a blast talking with doug I had a blast talking with you um we had a ton of fun like we mentioned at the top of the episode with our five thousand dollar warzone 2 lan event that we did at comic-con last week that vod is all live on the youtube as well um incredible tournament ton of fun mm -hmm. um production was amazing to work with and activision uh was amazing to actually Rockstar, work with to, to get it all yeah. happening so excited to host more tournaments in the future we were talking with doug about mm -hmm. the events he would like to see and trust me they are coming 2023 is going to be littered with tournaments and uh bot lobby podcast is going to be hosting uh, several in the future uh you'll probably see katie myself and maybe even doug in the booth together doing a lot of events especially coming 2023 so stay tuned but folks that's all i've got katie any final words any final shout outs where can people find you 
uh world's bedford on the important socials kitty bedford on twitch and thank you guys as always for showing out in force showing support for bot lobby and uh, whether it's all the questions in the twitter space the comments on youtube uh and and the growing viewership we appreciate it very much and we've got uh more excellent coverage to come absolutely more excellent coverage and lots of youtube shorts etc being posted thanks to everybody that tuned in on all major socials uh we love you folks on the twitter space we love you folks on the twitch and we'll see you guys on the youtube in a little bit make sure you comment down below and let you uh, let us know what you think about warzone 2 a couple weeks in state of the game where are we at we'd love to hear from you but that's all we've got time for today we'll see you guys in the next episode peace